Welcome guys to my first ever podcast. I've decided to do this because for the last number of years I've wanted to tell a story. A story about my life and more so the fact that right now at this present moment in time 19th of July 2020 I'm here I'm here sitting at home, pondering what my next move will be in my life. You see, up till December, January, sorry, December 2017, I was 20 years a secondary school teacher. And I was teaching in the most challenging schools. It was through my choice. Now, that that definition of challenging schools is something I have to say that I don't actually believe in. I believe the schools were deemed challenging, but I don't think they were challenging. I don't think there should be such a descriptive word as such to describe a school. For me, the most important thing was to enable students who were dissatisfied in their education to have some hope. But come December 2017, January 2018, in fact, January the 4th, 2018, just after the Christmas holidays, I went to school as normal and I was told to report to the head teacher's office that morning. Little did I know what was about to become of my life there and then. My life there and then, you could say, would have destroyed any person out there. More more worse than going to prison, more worse than possibly even being dead. You know what? I kept I have thought about this a lot. Many times I've thought to myself, would it be better for me to have just been dead. But I've held on to the truth. I've held on to the fact that I know what is the truth. And I've held on to the fact that the truth will prevail. Because what I've just gone through in these last two and a half years is something that I wish no other person to go through. So the real question for me now was, how do I put, you know, how do I um, relay what's happened to me to all of you folks out there? And you might be thinking, nah, this guy is talking a little bit, he's exaggerating, or, you know, what has happened to him is possibly just nothing where any person could cope with. But if I was to tell you that what I'm currently going through um, is something that I can't actually tell you right now. It's something which I'm not allowed to tell you right now. But I can tell you that over these last few years when I've been wanting to write a story about my life, this part of my story will definitely be in there. But it will not be written by me. I will write every other aspect or I will tell you all every other aspect of my life 
and what I've been through and how I've survived. But this part of my story, there's only one person that I want writing this part of the story. And if that person wishes not to write this part of the story, then so be it. And I will wish, I respect that person's wishes. But if this person does, then you're going to hear from another perspective what has happened in my life right now. Now, I've thought over the years that I've managed to cope with so many things that have been thrown at me, mistakes that I've made in my life and how I've rectified it, corrected it in whatever way I can, can to just get on with life. And I think throughout my life, those things that have helped me has enabled me to also cope with what's going on now. Many of my friends and my family, many people out there, people who don't even know me but have come across my story, have told me that they've never met somebody who's been able to cope in this, this, with this kind of thing that's happening in his life in such a way. Now, I've taken that as a bit of pinch of salt, but equally, I've also taken that as a bit of, shall I say, my own kind of self-appreciation. Because sometimes it's hard for people to appreciate themselves and reflect upon how well they're doing. So I'm going to take every step. And I decided when this came out in 2018, I was going to take make sure that every single day that I would reflect and make sure that I would say to myself, you've survived another day. Keep fighting. And one day I said to myself, one day. This story will aim to reach a number of people out there who will probably have gone through the same thing in, as in my life and to give them hope and to give them that some sort of sense of to fight, fight for what you believe in. And I'm going to tell you what that thing is. It's quite simply, it's your children, your children fighting for your children. It's the only thing that I've been doing for the last number of years. So here's my here's my story. I would love you to, sh you know, to come back to me if you want. I don't know how I'm going to release these podcasts. If anybody out there is going through any form of mental health issues or any form of issues that they would wish to talk about, get it off their chest. You know what? Contact me. Let's talk. But this story wasn't supposed to be about what's happening in my life right now. It just so happens it's happened. This story actually is going to be full of vibrant energy, lots of laughter. And believe me when I tell you, there's some stories going to come out right now. And I'm going to put some, I'm hoping to attach some music to some relevant parts of this story so that you all understand you know where in certain parts of my life music played a major part in that those areas of my life or those aspects of my life or the, that part of my life so what is it about you know what is this book about well this book is about me first of all um, coming to this country in 1975 not being able to speak a word of English and many years later, here I am in England, 
not just to, not just speaking English, but also being a teacher, and hopefully have inspired uh, many uh, students who I should say were um, have been brought up in you know in such a manner and such a, in such places where they feel that you know life has not really given them a big chance to um, go out there and do things, but more so. But my teaching career didn't start till very late. So I made some mistakes in between uh, me coming over to this country um, and also being a teacher. But then you might also want to know that I was also a very successful football manager. I managed my own football team at the age of 17 and then took that even further. Now, I didn't manage a Premier League team or anything like that. This was like a Sunday league football team. But we'll talk about that later and why it's important, why that part of my life is very important. So, without further ado, let's start from when I first was born. Now, people often ask others, what was the first thing that you remember seeing through your eyes? Well, not to be, any, you know, not to come across sordid or any, in any sort of way, um, dirty, I suppose, or, you know, I don't know how, well, I don't know how to um, express this. But I do remember the first thing, and it, I mean, I have got, a, you know, I've always had a very good long-term memory, but I do remember, and I'll, it's never gone out of my mind, that I do, re but I do remember suckling my mother's uh, breast. Um, and I'm absolutely positive that this was actually uh, in a hospital in Sri Lanka, because I can still see the corridors. Um... Now, some people have said, no, it can't be, you can't be able to remember that. Look, I don't know. All I know is that it, it has come into my head a lot. And um, I do believe that is the first thing I can remember from when I was a child or a baby even. Yeah. So, yeah, so there you go. Um, I was born on 14th of July, 1970 in Sri Lanka. Um, I was born in the north in a little place called Jaffna. Um, and I remember the street that we lived on. I remember the heat. Um, and I can't remember many things during that time um, in Sri Lanka. Um, I was, like I said, I was there for, I think, two years initially. Um, and um, I know that at some point we left Sri Lanka and went to live in Nigeria. I'll come back to that in a minute. And I'm sure that we came back to Sri Lanka um, before we came to the UK. But in Sri Lanka, like I said to you, as a child, the things that I can remember was the heat, was the big house we lived in, that this one big main street where everyone seemed to live. And we had a big, massive back garden, but it wasn't, it wasn't my mum and dad's place. This was my uh, grandmother's place, grand, uh, my grandparents' place. We all lived in that same house. Um, and you got to remember in Sri Lanka, you know, the, you, you had snakes. Uh, snakes was like a customary thing that you would find. And if you did find a snake, it was good luck to actually um, hang a snake outside your house. Apparently, I think it, award, it wards off evil spirits. So Sri Lanka, there we were, snakes. Um, I remember being bitten by um, a dog. Um, and that was my first experience of being bitten by a dog. And subsequently after, I had a fear of dogs. Um, but yeah, I remember that. Um, and I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I do remember something else. 
Um, I remember in Sri Lanka, but this must have been when we came back. I think I was four years old at this time. So we came back from Nigeria, but I also remember in Sri Lanka that um, a lot of my uncles had motorbikes and we would go on these motorbikes or even just normal pedal bikes uh, to the cinema. And um, I remember that the film at the t the films that I watched when I was four years old were these Bruce Lee films. And uh, yeah, um, I can't remember which Bruce Lee film it was, but I do remember I was taken to the cinema with one of my uncles to watch a Bruce Lee film. Um, so anyway, now I'll tell you what I don't remember. I do not remember any aspect of um, living in Nigeria. I'm, I'm pretty sure I think that I, yes, we did. We moved to Nigeria in 1972. Uh, we lived in a place called Jos. Um, it's in the countryside, but in the central parts of Nigeria. My dad, my father was a civil, um, civil engineer. Um, he moved around a lot. And so Nigeria was one of the places we went to and emigrated to. Um, and um, all I've got memories of Sri Lanka and Nigeria, well, Nigeria, sorry, is pictures in an album. I know that we had a house made um, and there's some photographs. And if I, you know, when I start writing this book of mine, um, I'll make sure that the photographs are in there so you can get a feeling of Nigeria as well back then. Um, so right now, music didn't really play a part. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to fast forward from Nigeria because, um, well, before we fast forward, just to let you know, my brother was actually born there. So my brother was born there in Nigeria. And um, I think what happened then was my father was then told that um, he had a job to start um, in the UK. Um, so he, I think he went ahead first to the UK and we went back to Sri Lanka to pack our stuff. Um, so that was at the age of four, I believe, when I was four. Um, I, I do remember me, my mum and my young um, brother um, at the uh, airport in Sri Lanka. I remember it was, there was a big delay. I remember we were all congested in this one area. Uh, eventually we got on, you know, we were on the plane and well, the rest is all about my life here in the UK. And I remember we arrived in either July or August of 1975 and it was a hot, hot summer. It was one of those hot summers that people always talked about uh, in the UK. So I arrived here in the UK, hot summer, off the plane, and um, I can't really remember what I wore, to be honest with you, but we were collected by my dad, my father, and um, we were taken to the first place that where we live. And the first place where we lived was St Albans. So, St Albans. St Albans, if you don't know, um, well, it is, right? It is a, a very leafy, lovely um, town um, in the UK, in Hertfordshire. Um, but back then, of course, um, none of this, no, I didn't know anything about any place or any, anything really. So I arrived in the UK and all, all I could remember was that I can only really understand Sri Lankan Tamil. Um, um, Tamil was the language. Um, and I think I could speak Tamil. Um, but anyway, so me and my brother, so my brother was uh, three and I was five. Um, and we arrived in uh, St Albans. 
we lived in a masonette, so we lived upstairs. Now, I do recall that we used to call uh, the person downstairs as the downstairs lady. Um, she's quite an elderly uh, woman who lived downstairs. <clears throat> uh, we had a back garden and it was uh, more or less a very narrow, just a medium sized but narrow garden, which we kind of had an imaginary line through the middle. So where she had one half and we had another half. But we lived upstairs um, in a one bedroom uh, masonette. Um, so, yeah, so if you can imagine, we had a living room, of course, but which kind of you know, faced the road that we lived on. Um, it was actually Brampton Road in St Albans. Now, that's going to be quite significant later on um, for very many reasons. But um, anyway, so we lived in Brampton Road in St Albans. And <clears throat> I remember the first thing I can remember in St Albans in this flat was this thing which was uh, showing some pictures on the screen. Uh, of course, later I found out, you know, that was the television, black and white. Um, I remember walking around the television thinking, where is this thing that I can see on the screen? Uh, some people. And um, just walked around the screen and thinking, where are these people? Um, I remember that we also, as a family, would sleep on one bed, um, whichever way it was comfortable. Um, and what else do I remember? I remember that my mum, oh yeah, I remember my mum used to um, give us breakfast in the morning and it was always egg. Um, you know, just literally a cracked egg um, into a little bowl and we would dip bread in it uh, with tea. Um, of course, tea became a major part of the, my life. Um, well, you know, coming from a country that produces tea, um, tea every morning was what, you know, we all had. Um, but here we were in St Albans and my dad had his job. Uh, his job was in uh, Watford um, and he worked for a large company at the time called Massey Ferguson's. They made tractors. And um, so he would commute, I think, from St Albans uh, to Watford. I don't know how he actually did that. So I remember he used to leave our house and he, you know, when he got out onto the, onto the street, he would always look up and blow a kiss to us and then walk. Now, I'm pretty sure we didn't have a car at that time. Um, so I don't know how he actually got to um, to Watford. But um, anyways, um, so, yeah, he went to work there. And I think my mother um, obtained a job at a factory, the Singer factory which I think was like other, I think they either made sewing machines or there were a place where they did actually you know make clothes um I'm gonna have to ask my mum about that but anyway so this was in St Albans um we went to I remember play school um my brother and I and um we were just there playing along playing with other kids not really you know developing any sort of English language as such at the time but we were you know just grasping a few words here and there um the the english language part of it actually happened um more or less a year later when i was i think i was six and i just went to my um i went to the like lower primary school and um it, or infant school and it was at the infant school fleetville infant school uh, on fleetville road in st albans which is still there by the way um i went there and i remember 
that um, I was introduced to the class, uh, which was fine. Everything was absolutely fine. Um, and I remember that, that I made my first um, friend and I can still remember his name. His name was Mashiba. And he was, uh, I think he was from Bangladesh. And I remember because we were both kind of, you know, at the time we were classed, I think, EAL kids um, or whatever terminology was back then. We all, um, both me and Mashiba, I remember, had our own, you know, separate timetables uh, where we would um, be taken out of class and out of the learning in the class and actually be, and had extra English lessons. Um, and then we would go back into the class and reintegrate. Um, but I do remember the first words that I ever, ever, English words that I was, um, you know, speaking or saying, and that was me, you, wonderful. So I would always look at Mashiba and just look at him and go, me, you, wonderful. And then I would say to other people, and then I remember my dad and, uh, you know, over many years, my dad would remind me of this, me, you, wonderful. Um, what else do I remember when I was there at that school? I remember um, that we had both me and my brother, when he, when my brother also came to that school, um, I do remember that both of us were going through um, meeting a speech therapist and the speech therapist was fantastic. Now, whereas I didn't have any sort of speech in, in impediment or anything like that, what the speech therapist made me do was actually develop my tone that voice um, in terms of not just understanding English language, because I was having English language lessons in school, but the tone of you know me, my accent, um, which I developed, came through the speech therapy. Whereas my brother did have a slight speech impediment. Um, he couldn't say the um, he couldn't uh, say words that began with um, s like snake. So he would say tenake, yeah, or he would say instead of um, c, he would say um, t. But um, he could say, you know, words with S-H, sh, like shake, but he just couldn't say anything beginning with S. But anyway, he also went through the speech therapy thing. And uh, very quickly, uh, the speech therapist also got to remove that um, aspect of his uh, language uh, and, you know, his learning in terms of the English uh, vocabulary. But both of us just developed our English language very quickly. And I still, to this day, believe that it was all down to the speech therapist predominantly. So I've got a big, a lot of time for speech therapists now at this moment in time. Um, so anyway, so here we were in uh, St Albans, uh, going to school, making new friends. And actually, I remember primary school was great. Uh, we went on to, um, sorry, was it primary or infants? It was infant school. And I think then we went on to the middle school. I think it was called Fleetwell Middle School, something like that. Um, that was on the Hatfield Road. I understand it's still there. Um, and I remember, I mean, I do remember some teachers' names, Mrs. Graham, I understand, and there was a Mrs. Stewart. Um, so that was where we were. Uh, we went to, uh, I, you know, went there first, of course, the middle school. Um, me and my brother was very close, actually. We, you know, we would hang around together all the time. And my dad would always take us out in, you know, either in the evenings or in the weekends to the play, to the playground. Um, I remember this one incident, actually. So... In fact, I remember the kind of um, clothes we used to wear. Wow, gosh. I mean, we both, me and my brother, both had these like mop heads, you know, like hair that just came down like a mop. Uh, very late 70s, early 80s, I wear you know, turtleneck jumpers with um, checkered trousers, proper like, uh, you know, at the time, we didn't know anything about this, but 
I think we probably look like rude boys, you know, from the old Scar era. Um, but anyway, so both me and my brother, um, so by now, we, I think we were um, eight and six. Uh, we were living in St Albans. And what else do I remember? So there, there was this one particular day, uh, one of some of our friends had come round. And uh, my you know, family always had these gatherings on a Saturday. Um, but anyway, me and my brother had gone walk, uh, we'd just gone for a walk down to the park, uh, to the playground. And uh, when we got there to this playground, uh, these two lads, oh wow, these two lads came along and uh, kind of bullied us a little bit. And uh, I don't know, I don't think they did anything to really harm us yet. But we both, me and my brother, both ended up just having sh- shedding tears. Yeah. And um, I remember because we went back um, and my dad was like, what happened? What's, what's happened? And um, my brother just turned around and went, there was a fat boy and there was a thin boy. Anyway, so with, without uh, wanting to um, say, you know, use those words in any sort of derogatory kind of way, uh, my, my brother, that was the first thing that came in my, his head. And I remember we just called him fat boy and thin boy. But, um, but anyway, as it goes, uh, my dad um, literally took it. He takes everything seriously. And uh, my dad, basically um, uh, walked with us to the park looking for these kids who had actually uh, came and did, one of them threw, did a like, I don't know what he did, I think he did some sort of backflip manoeuvre and he threw me across the park, uh, through the, sorry, on the grass and also my young brother. But then my dad came along and we, and he went, you know, looking for these kids and we found them hiding in a garden behind a fence. I remember my dad looking at them going, oh, so you want to play with my brothers? Sorry, you want to play, you, you want to throw my young, uh, to these guys around who, you know, you're, you're much older. Why don't you both come and throw me around? <laughs> and these two kids, I remember their faces. Oh, gosh, I wonder what became of those two guys. But anyway, so, yeah, that was eight when we were eight and um, my brother was six. And um, I had a great, you know, I loved every minute of going to the middle school. Um, one of my best friends uh, lived two doors away from me. Um, and I remember his name, I think his name was John Rios. Um, I think I thought he had the potential to be a fantastic footballer. Uh, oh yeah, by now my English had really developed and um, I was really getting into football and I remember watching football on TV. I didn't really know much about football. What I did know was back then was um, I collected the uh, football stickers. Now I'm trying to remember which World Cup it was. I think it was nine. It was, just, it was the late the late seventies one, um, and I got all the stickers, and of course we were all swapping stickers, and what have you. And um, so yeah, so I remember that um, there was also that time the Division One album as well, and I remember that um, one of the things I vaguely remember on that was the badge. Um, one of the badges I got was of Saint Mirren, and I quite liked it. And uh, for some reason or other, that was my favourite Scottish football team uh, because of that badge. But um, initially, I was supporting Watford. The reason why I was supporting Watford was that somebody at my school had said that um, Watford had scored 90-odd goals. You know, I remember, you've got to remember, I, I really didn't know much about football. Plus, I still hadn't grasped this whole TV thing. But someone was telling me about Watford scoring 90-odd goals in a game. And there were, I think it was one of the chaps had you know, bent the ball um, so that he'd actually scored by sending the ball around the goal. Yeah. So not actually within the field of play, but around the goal, like as in behind the goal, and it came back in and went in the net. Um, I was thinking, wow, this guy must be spectacular. So I was, I was sporting Watford for a while um, until, actually, um, I'll, I'll tell you when it was until. 
um, because it was for a while actually while I was still there in St Albans. But that was where the, my love for football came about. Um, I remember that as a family, we would also sit uh, on Sundays and watch um, either some Hitchcock thrillers, the Carry On movies. Oh my God, yeah, that was a that was a customary thing. Every weekend we would be watching Carry On movies. Hawaii Five O was something that we all watched as a family. Um, so yeah, so here we were. We were in St Albans. Uh, it's nineteen seventy nine now. I'm just turning nine. I think it was in July, and uh, we were on the move. Um, my my dad uh, basically got a new job. And it was a relocation to Coventry. So uh, we moved from St Albans. I remember it was quite a, I mean, to be honest with you, we were quite young, so it wasn't that emotional as such. I mean, we left some good friends, you know, kids, friends um, in St Albans. But um, we moved to Coventry during the summer holidays. Uh, we stayed at the Highlands Hotel. I think my dad's company uh, kind of moved us into this hotel. Uh, we had two rooms uh, booked. Uh, and my dad had just gone to you know, starting work at uh, Massey Ferguson's. So it was still Massey Ferguson's, uh, but it was in the Coventry Massey Ferguson's. Uh, the idea was that we were looking for a house as well. And, and uh, while we found the house, we were staying in the hotel. Uh, and it also so happened that my mum was pregnant at the time and she was due a baby uh, fairly soon. Um, now, there was a chap that my dad knew when we were in St Albans. And I think he had two two girls, two daughters, same age as me and my brother. Um, and they also got relocated to Coventry, so they, they moved at the same time. Um, so we came to Coventry, and um, the next thing was, of course, finding this new place for us to live, uh, and what have you. So I'm going to leave uh, this uh, story for the moment here, because this is where my life really began in Coventry. <laughs> 